It's Wednesday morning, 722. That's not the time, it's July the 22nd. This is Ben Payton and welcome to The Joy of Discovery. Today we're going to uh, dip back into our archives and uh, get a copy of a message called One Out of the Crowd. Oh. Here's your coffee, Ben. Thanks, Ruth. Close the door on your way out. Always got to have coffee. You know, it's just perfect. Where do you oh, want I, me to I, set your coffee? Here, here, here. Don't set it. Just hand it to me. I love Ruth. She's been around for years. She's got such a sweet Christian spirit. We just love, um, <clears throat> you know, having her on the program. But our message today is one out of the crowd. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And if you've been struggling with uh, quite a quite a bit of illness and sickness, I think this message is just right for you. Mark chapter 5, I'm going to pick up the reading at verse 24. And actually, before I start reading, I, I need to tell you what's going on. Uh, beginning at verse um, 22, it says, Behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. And then we pick up our passage of Scripture today, and we understand where the great crowd of people came from. It came from the fact that, uh, you know, they were on their way to Jairus' house. And on the way, there was a little bit of an interruption. Verse 25. A certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, verse 26, and had suffered many things from many physicians. And get this, she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd, touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes. I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt, she felt in her body. When I was reading this this morning, I, I, I saw this in a different light than I'd seen it before. She felt in her body. Now we live by faith, we're saved by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But bless God, we want a religion we can feel too, don't we? You want something you can feel. Just like this morning, if you got into singing those songs, you were feeling something. When God does something for you and touches you, you feel something. There's something different about you. When the Holy Spirit comes, uh, you get those holy goosebumps that run up and down your spine. You, you feel something. Now here's a woman, maybe somewhat super, superstitious. I'm going to deal with that in a minute. But she came up and she touched his garment. If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. She didn't have confirmation at that time, but she felt with on a, beyond a shadow of a doubt that something had happened to her. 
And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around into the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you. Now, where'd the multitude come from? It came from Jairus and that crowd who wanted Jesus to go and lay hands on his daughter and heal. That's where the crowd came from. And so they were still in the midst of this crowd. He was on his way to do something good. And yet he was interrupted to do something good. And that's where the crowd came from. You see the multitude, his disciples said, who touched me? And you say, who touched me? Question mark. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. Now let's get the idea of the woman, verse 33. The woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him how much truth? The whole truth. The whole truth. We want the whole truth. Nothing but the truth. Nothing more, nothing less. The whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. And then he gives her this, this statement. He says, go in peace. And we're going to find out what that means in a minute, which is all-encompassing, extremely encouraging, very uplifting. You want to stay tuned for that. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Be healed of your affliction. There's more than one way to touch Jesus. Some touch him superficially. In that crowd, some touched him inadvertently. And some out of mere curiosity. But I want you to understand Jesus does not release his power to the merely curious. There is a profoundly personal touch that does contact, make contact with the healing power of Jesus Christ. Some of you felt that. That touch recognizes personal hopelessness and rests everything on his power to make whole personal hopelessness. I've seen some people have heard conversations of some people say, I deserve to be healed. Man, if we get what we deserve, we have to realize that our case is hopeless and there's nothing in us and everything in him. And he'll not let us down. Out of the suffocating crush of a crowd, one desperate woman touched Jesus. And what are we going to learn from that? Oh, we're going to learn some good things here today. Here's my proposition. You can touch Jesus. You and I, we can touch Jesus in a way that brings healing. Not necessarily just physical healing. Although we're going to see that take place here today. There's all kinds of healing, healing of the family, healing of our uh, stress and anxiety, uh, healing of the family. I said that, didn't I? God must have wanted me to repeat that. There's healing in the physical nature. This society needs healing. And no doubt 
you have a place in your life where you need healing. I've got three major observations, and here's the first one. You can touch Jesus in a hopeless situation. Isn't that encouraging? God knows there's been times in my life where the situation seemed so hopeless, but yet I knew. And when I, when I couldn't bring it to my conscious mind, someone would call me on the phone and say, you know you can still touch Jesus. What makes a situation hopeless? First of all, our perpetual problems. Some problems that just seem to never go away. Look at verse 25. A certain woman had a flow of blood. How long? Twelve years. Twelve years. Long-standing problems appear to defy solution and discourage us by their very duration. And this woman had endured 12 years of personal and shameful difficulty. You see... In her condition, she was considered an outsider or an outcast. She was ostracized by, by the community. She was considered to be unclean. Her loss of lifeblood may have been constant or intermittent. If it came and went, just think about that. Her hopes were raised and then dashed. We've been there, haven't we? Somebody called me the other day and said, how are things going? I said, get on the roller coaster ride, baby. I mean, I'm on the mountaintop one moment and in the valley the next, and it's going so fast I'm getting dizzy. As a matter of fact, I got so dizzy Thursday I had to call 911 to come and take my pulse to see if I was still living. Perpetual problems can be extremely discouraging and we can think that there is no hope. Her condition is both revealed and concealed and we can't be certain what it was other than it was always a shameful threat. It wasted her health. Listen, it wasted her wealth and rendered her socially outcast. What makes a situation hopeless? First of all, our perpetual problems. Secondly, our painful problems. Look at verse 26. She'd suffered many things. We sometimes whine about our suffering, but look at this dear lady here. She'd suffered many things from many physicians. Gets worse, she'd spent all that she had and was no better. How many of you have ever gone to the doctor and he's given you a prescription that uh, costs you m more than a tank of gas in this day and age and you don't get any better and you feel a little bit angry and bitter? What's wrong with that doctor? Can he figure out what's wrong with me? I'm one of these people that I'm allergic to everything that comes down the pike. When I found out I had some health issues, I went to the doctor and he gave me a medication called Zocor. I was allergic to it. Then he gave me another medication, Tricor. Same family, same results. I was allergic to it. Then he gave me Vitorin, same family, worse results. 
I was beginning to think that maybe a trip to Okie's to plan my funeral might not be a bad idea. Discouraging situation, perpetual problems, painful problems, going on and on and on. And here's a woman, she had, she had spent her life and was no better and was growing worse. She'd suffered many different things, even from those who were supposed to be healing her. She suffered physically. She suffered economically. She spent everything she had looking for help. I want you to get a picture of this woman. And some of us know what it is to try everything available for spiritual and emotional relief, while in fact finding nothing. What makes a situation hopeless? Our perpetual problems and our painful problems and thirdly our pointless problems what does that mean in all her trying she was not helped even at one point in fact things only got worse instead of better and the very effort tired her and complicated her condition can you identify with this woman Man, we've been down that road, haven't we? Perpetually our problems, painfully our problems, pointless. Many fight long-term battles with stubborn, relentless inclinations, passions, obsessions, fears, anxieties, and guilt. They suffer the pain of mental anguish internally while having to act normally externally. Been there, done that, bought the video, and it all seems pointless. No amount of personal resolution, counsel from friends, or religious activity changes anything. But listen, you can approach and touch Jesus from that very situation. How many of you believe that today? Well, I've got two or three of you. Do you not believe it? Do you not believe that Jesus can touch you? How many believe that Jesus can touch you from any situation? How many of you have been touched from a difficult situation, a pointless situation, a painful situation? Look at verse 27, when she heard about Jesus. You know, there's a lot of people just like you and just like me who need, need what we're talking about today. And we're to be broadcasters. Well, not in the official sense that we get on the radio, and, but in the sense that we broadcast this news. That you can touch Jesus and that he can make a difference in your life. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. But the question is, how can I touch Jesus? Which brings me to my second major point. You can touch Jesus with a sufficient but imperfect, imperfect faith. All my life I've tried to be perfect. It's, it's kind of like a curse. It's kind of like a curse. I have this personal standard that I want to be perfect and I strive for that perfection. And it drives me almost to the point of insanity. Well, thank God there's something that we can uh, know. And I want to deal with this concept of an imperfect faith. 
The only fitness he requires is to feel your need for him. The reason some people don't get any help is they don't, they don't feel they need God. They don't feel they need him. They've got, they've got this world. They've got the tiger by the tail. But one day that tiger is going to turn on them. Then where are they going to be? This woman's faith was inadequate because it was both silent and superstitious. Now get this. She thought she could come to Jesus hidden in the crowd and from behind him so he would never know what happened. You know why? If you look at the history, you can figure out why. Because if she touched a holy person, they became unholy. They became unclean. She, she knew she needed to touch Jesus, but she was fearful. And she thought, well, I can do it secretly. Her faith was also superstitious. She actually touched a tassel of Jesus' robe, thinking that his personal power charged his garments with magical potency. And I hate to say it, there's a lot of people in the Christian world today that like the, the magical, the mystical. Ooh. We criticize people who read horoscopes and then we go out and basically do the same thing in other areas of our lives. Jesus honored her faith. I don't want you to misunderstand that. I want you to understand we cannot wait for more knowledge. We cannot wait for more perfect understanding or theological insight before we come to Jesus. The best faith, if I may say this, is imperfect. It is not perfect faith, but it is the perfect object, the Lord Jesus Christ, that makes us whole. We can have imperfect faith, but if when it's on the perfect object, my goodness, it will make us whole. We can touch Jesus with an imperfect but sufficient faith. Understand... We must come to him with a personal persuasion. Verse 28 again, she said, you know, she was convinced. Look at verse 28. If only I may touch his clothes. She was convinced. This woman did believe in the personal power of Jesus, although she believed it was in his robe rather than his personal interest in her. Do you get that? She was confused about that. She was confused about relationships. She was confused. She didn't think he would have a personal interest in her. He was busy. He was on his way to do something for someone. Why would he be interested in me? I'll do it hidden. The whole of the gospel can be summed up in the desire to touch him and be made whole without a doubt. To, make, to be made complete. Her imperfect but sufficient faith was rewarded. Immediately this woman was well. The flow stopped on the spot. But also she was made well in feeling. Immediately the fountain of her blood, verse 29, look at it. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. She not only was well, she knew that she was well. How many of you know that you're saved and you're on your way to heaven? 
if you don't know that you're saved and that you're on the way to heaven, you're not going to convince anybody. The woman who was caught in the act of adultery, wrong woman, don't want to get my women mixed up. Man, that could be dangerous. One Wednesday night we were teaching in John and Josanne got in the wrong John. And that, that proved to be confusing. It was the woman at the well that met Jesus. And she went and she was so determined she'd met the Messiah that the whole town came out. And you need to be convinced. She knew that she was well. She realized inwardly that she was permanently healed and profoundly healed, not only from the symptoms, but also from the disease causing them. Jesus not only wants you to be spiritually whole, but he wants you to know it. Did you get that from the passage? He wants you to know it. To know that the threatening failure of yesterday will never return. That's the way Jesus works, isn't it? That's the way it works. So we want to conclude by talking about how Jesus responds to a believing touch. How does he do that? I want you to know that he distinguishes between superficial and meaningful touches. What's the difference? Verse 28. I shall be made well. This lady knew, she was convinced, this was no superficial. Well, I'll just touch and see how it works out. I mean, what's it going to hurt? No, she came determined. She knew that she was going to, she knew Jesus could do something for her. Jesus can do something for me if I let him. That's the biggest battle. Your biggest enemy is not Satan. Contrary to what you hear, your biggest enemy is yourself. The biggest war that goes on in your life is your mind. Now, Satan can whisper and put doubts, but you're the one that makes the decision. You have the power of God living in you. And the, Paul talked about the struggle that went on in his life. And we've all had those struggles. She said, I shall be made well. Now, there's always a crowd at church around the name of Jesus, but simply touching the church building or touch, touching the pew or the activities and the traditions is not to touch Jesus himself. It's not to touch things connected with him. See, that's what she did but to touch him that makes the difference. We think by coming to church, it makes us religious and gives us some position with God. Coming to church is important from the standpoint that the Bible says, neglect not the assembling of yourselves together. The church is a place where we can come and have our faith increased and where we can be affirmed and where we can be encouraged and where we can support God's ordained ministries. But you can do all that thing and be lost. It's not about touching things. not about touching the hem of his garment. It's about touching Jesus. Touching the object itself. 
How does Jesus respond to a believing touch? Verse 33. He looks for our response or our confession. The woman came, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. She confessed. You're not going to get anywhere in life until you confess. No doubt you might have an area of your life that you have a need. And until you confess or take ownership of that, man, I, I have a need here. And, and there are some needs that are outside yourself that you cannot in any way, shape, or form handle. And you have to have help. You have to have Jesus. Or he might direct you to some institution. I believe that God works through doctors today. Who created the doctors? He did. Who created medicine? He did. Sometimes he chooses to heal miraculous. And I, I still believe he does it today. I know people that that's happened to. He looks for our response. The woman, verse 33, end of the verse, came, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. Didn't hold anything back. Now, he does not desire to save us from ourselves by an impersonal religious transaction, but he desires a permanent relationship with those whom he heals. And unlike this woman, we cannot steal healing behind his back and go away without him. Jesus said, who touched me? She came and confessed. And we may fear public confession of Christ just like this woman. Look at verse 33 again. The woman, fearing and trembling. This woman feared to identify herself because of her natural inclination. She had a disease that brought her personal shame. And notice, notice this, Jesus did not ask her or desire her to state what was wrong with her. He simply wanted her to confess that he had healed her. And he said to her, listen to this, and I'm just about done. Daughter, your faith has made you well. You've got to have faith in him. Faith means trusting Believing, surrendering. Hidden discipleship lacks that assurance, but he gave her even more. Middle of verse 34. Now get this. Go in peace. Go in peace. This is an Old Testament word, shalom. When I lived in Cleveland, I lived in a um, Cleveland Heights. And across the street, we had a friendship with um, a Jewish family. They gave me a necklace. And on that necklace, it said, Shalom. It's an Old Testament word, and it's a word connected to this here, where Jesus said, go in peace. Shalom, it means health, prosperity, and peace. Can you imagine a woman who had been sick for 12 years and had, had this issue of blood, and she, she'd spent all... And she does whatever she can. She knows that Jesus can help her. 
He brings her to confess the fact that she had been healing, and he confirmed that healing by saying, Go in peace. Go in health. Go in prosperity. Go in peace. What more could you want? So the obvious conclusion is, when we're where we need to be in our relationship with Christ. And I know it's, it's a struggle. I mean, it's a progression every day because we have so many pressures that come in around us, so many distractions, and we permit, we permit those things to interrupt the kind of relationship with, we need with our Savior and the kind of trust we need with Him. But I think He intends for us, as He did for this lady, to have health, prosperity and peace and you know you can have health and not have all of your physical health you understand that don't you mental health can be sometimes much more painful much more difficult much oh, much more debilitating than any kind of physical you know I get a headache I can Take an aspirin for it. I get a backache. I can take four Advil. I get some kind of awful disease. They have treatment for it. But sometimes mental health, I've been down that road. It can be a struggle. It's a war that goes on. But yet, Jesus said to her, which obviously she had trouble in all of these areas, health, prosperity, and peace to you. So he sent her out with total and personal well-being. Now the question is, what's your need? Jesus can and will touch you at your point of need.